Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Psalm 78. And, and, and so if you have it on your iPhone or your iPad, or you're really, really spiritual and you have one of those leather-bound King James and you've got all of the church bulletin stuffed in there and a, a, a poem or two that ain't Ethel wrote to you, go ahead and open that to Psalm 78. Uh, Carla and I really appreciated the opportunity this past weekend to be a part of the marriage retreat. A God-centered marriage in a self-centered world. It was a great retreat. I, I, I tell you, I have fallen in love with this church. Uh, it is a, a great, powerful movement of God. And so if you're, you're new and you just kind of stumbled in the doors, this is a great place to connect. There's some, there's some fun, authentic, real people. And this staff is crazy. <laughs> I, I had the opportunity to smell Cody's beard. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I, you know, I had, uh, I realized from, from watching Seth, that the Red River, Red River rivalry exists in this church. <laughs> and he's always picking on my, my poor friend from the University of Texas. I mean, who cares about the University of Texas? There's one guy in the world, and he's right here. And then, and then uh, of course, we, we fell in love with Grace. And, and, and then we tolerated Adam. And it's such a blessing to see God's story in their lives and then them be able to tell the story. But probably the, 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 the most unknown of all, and what happened at the marriage retreat stays at the marriage retreat. What happened at Post Oak stays at Post Oak. But if you get a chance to talk to Brian, you, you need to find out some of the things he's capable of doing. I saw that man do some circus acts that I, I just, I, he looked so straight-laced and so prim and proper. And the next thing I know, he's, he's swallowing fire. Literally. Literally. But what, what stayed there? Yeah, it stays there, right? <clears throat> I also love the opportunity to come and, and, and preach God's word. And I always know that preachers invite me because after you hear uh, today, Next week, you're going to come up and go, oh, Brother Adam, I'm so glad you're our pastor. You're so much better than that guy we had last week. And that's the only reason pastors bring guys in. They never bring anybody in that's even sort of close to them. So I apologize that you've got to listen to me. If you really want your Sunday fix, you can come back and, and listen to a, a, one of the online sermons that Adam preached earlier. But this morning, in Psalm 78, I, I plan to share how biblical principles lead us through the, the suffering and the obedience and the, the victory and the blessing that life tosses our way. Then I hope to challenge you, the church, to pass on biblical principles to the next generation. So for us to gather a better grasp, let's, let's look at a, a hymn or a song, psalms that provide guidance to faithful followers. It, it was sung, and, and I know, I, I want to say what I started off the retreat with. I want to thank every man that's in this room. I, most men get drugged to church, and so I appreciate you men coming. And, and my hope is that when you leave, you'll go, oh, that, that, that wasn't too bad. And I think the men that showed up at the retreat found out, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And, and, and I know that me just saying, hey, we're going to look at a, at poetry 
you're already going, ah, this, this guy's from Texas. But I did live in Oklahoma for five years. So in this, in this, in this poetic piece in Psalm, it's important that you understand a little bit of background. It was sung as an antiphon, and, and that basically means that, that they had a big, huge choir that sang this 72-verse song, and, and half of the crowd was singing this, and half of the crowd was singing this, and it was in harmony, in unison. And so it was one movement, and this takes place four different times over the 72 verses in Psalm 78. And, and this psalm, if you look at it in your passage, it probably at the top of it says that it's a, a mascul of Asaph. Mascul literally is a verb that means to give instruction or to make wise. And if we receive the instruction and don't get it, then it's our fault. And so Asaph, now he had written 12 other psalms and he was commissioned by King David to be in charge of singing in the house of Yahweh. And Asaph was the right-hand assistant and he also performed at the dedication of Solomon's temple. So this, this guy's like, like Seth on steroids. I mean, he's talented, he's gifted. And he was an officer of the Jerusalem religious system. So, so this man served as an official for several years, starting with King David and serving all the way through King Solomon. So Asaph saw the best and the worst of the religious system that drew men unto God. And so he was used of God to help struggling men and women know who and whose they are. It's an overview, really, of the history of Moses to David. But it's put into this poetic yet memorable prose so that just like we can remember Garth Brooks songs, we, we just we get it, we have it, we, we can easily, it flows off the tongue, and, and there's something about music that just connects with our heart. And it was remembered and it was passed on. So let's dive into Psalm 78. I mean, there are only 72 verses that we need to cover this morning. So it may take us about 36 hours, but I hope you're okay. I hope you brought your lunch. I'll try to hurry. Actually, we're just going to look at Psalm 78, verse 3 through 8. But let's, let's take a look at Psalm 78. Let's, let's first look at verse 1. It says, My people, hear my instruction. Listen to the words of my mouth. I, I will declare wise sayings. Oh, my people, he says, for I will speak to you, verse 2, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from the past, stories that we have heard and known, stories that our ancestors have handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and the wonders he's done. Doesn't that sound very similar to what happens in the Great Commission, kind of the final words of Matthew 28 when Jesus is saying, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the ends of the age. 
So he's saying, tell of the glorious th- deeds of the Lord, about his power and the mighty wonders that he's done. Things that we have heard and known, things that our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he's done. Verse 5, he decreed, decreed statues for Jacob and established the law of Israel when he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. May God honor the reading of his word. This morning, I want to give you two truths and a challenge. The first truth is found in verse 2. Look at at verse 2. It says, I will utter the things of old. Ah, the good old days. I think the older we get, the better we were. And we love to reminisce. We, I, I, tell me an old story. I love stories. I love to tell stories. Everybody loves a great story. And today is an opportunity for you to tell your story, to share your life. If you look at verse 2, it says, For I speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden, hidden lessons from our past. If you will grace me, I want to I tell you a modern-day parable. Recently, I was looking for something in our attic, and we moved from Salado, Texas to Waco, Texas. Yes, we live in Waco, and the question always is asked, do you know Chip and Joe? Yes, we actually do. Chip was in a Bible study I led when he was in college, and I'm embarrassed to tell this, but Chip babysat our kids. That was when he was broke and poor. Now he could pay for somebody to babysit our kids. We have three kids, 34, 32, and 28. And Chip Gaines was one of their favorite people growing up. So we were moving to Waco, and I was digging in the attic, and I came across this box that my mom had given us. My mom died in 2014, and I hadn't really rummaged through this box, and I started going through this scrapbook from my senior year in high school. Oh. See, I grew up in West Texas. And in West Texas, I told the group this weekend, West Texas, you go to school for two reasons. To play football and to show pigs. And that's really the only reason you go. You don't go to get an education. And so really, I graduated in the, in the spring of 1981. But in West Texas, you don't say you're in the class of 1981. You say you're on the team of 1980. Those of you who are OU football fans, you know that Texas has good football. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Those of you who go to OSU, you'll learn that there's good football players out there. And I started reminiscing about the fall of 1980, and I came across this article. I love to tell my kids stories about... 
my hometown of Rotan, home of the fighting Yellowhammers. My youngest daughter, Casey, who's 27, she calls them my glory days that nobody cares about. So I want to tell you this, this modern-day parable, and I want to use this article that I, that I found in our, in our attic. It, it talks about the Rotan Yellowhammers facing the Baird Bears in 19... It's a big rival in West Texas. It's sort of like Coeta playing Wagner. Okay, so you, you get the idea. And, and, and I came across this article, and the headline says, Quarterback redeems self as Rotan wins district. That, that was me. I was the quarterback. Listen, listen to this. This is a great article. I start reading it, and it says, Byron Weathersby is a born-again quarterback. I'm, I'm sure I shared my faith at, uh, you know, when, I, when he was interviewing me. But in the, check, this is so good. In the final three minutes, with the Yellowhammer faithful praying for a miracle, with bared head six to zero, Weathersby, yeah, that's me, Weathersby parted the bared defensive line for two touchdowns, and he also intercepted a pass to give Rotan not only a 13-6 victory, but the District 8-2A tie. Wait, you're... You, you guys have to get excited about this. Let me read this again. Maybe you didn't understand. Maybe you're not feeling it. Listen to this. It says, Weathersby parted the bear defense for two touchdowns, and he added an interception to give Rotan not only a 13-6 victory. Yeah. A little audience per day. You've got to get excited about this. I mean, this is life when you're a senior in high school. Oh, it is so great. I kept reading through the article, and the article goes on to say, I felt sorry for Weathersby as the clock ticked down. After all, he had two fumbles and three interceptions, most of that coming in the first half. (laughs) I, I, I hate this writer, sports writers. They don't get it right. I didn't have three interceptions. I actually had four in the first half. (laughs) <laughs> four interceptions in the first half, and I, I keep reading, and then it goes on to, to just basically walk through with the game tied with a minute 43 left, nine plays later, Weathersby broke loose for a 12-yard touchdown, and with 30 seconds left, scored the game-winning touchdown, and I, 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 I read through this, and I'm, I'm hearing these voices in my head. And then I come to the end of it, and it says, with the awful first-half play, Weathersby finally capitalized on a moment. (laughs) I don't know if you hear the kind of voices that are represented in this article. In one ear, you're hearing things like, oh, Weathersby, you're a stud. Look at you. You scored when the clock was running out. Or, or, or maybe today, look at you, what, what you've accomplished. Look at this church. I mean, my goodness, this church is amazing. Or maybe you're the kind of student that's here and you make all A's. You've made all A's. You don't drink, you don't chew, and you don't go with girls that do. And, 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 and I am in my sweet spot. I mean, look at this church. I'm sure glad that I discovered this church, and I'm glad they discovered me kind of idea. And in the other ear, chirping in the other ear, you hear, you're you're, you're not good enough. 
who would want to come to this church? You, you got a building that's not even, I mean, look, you, you, you might have it going on, but as an individual, you just can't cut it. You're not smart enough. No one likes you. You can't compete with these guys. You know it. You never could match up. You stink. You know good and well that your mama thinks you're ugly and she dresses you funny. Byron, your mom was heckling you in the stands after the second interception, and she really was. <laughs> Get him out of there. Don't let him throw the ball. You, know, you got nothing. Who would want what you have to offer? What makes you think you can disciple? The tapes that play in our head, whether they're interceptions and fumbles or whether they're touchdowns, can really cause us to lose perspective. And it causes us to get frustrated. It causes confusion. It actually paralyzes us from accomplishing what the Great Commission is asking us to do, to teaching others to obey everything that God has taught you and commanded you. The second truth that I want you to see in this passage is found in verse 5. We are commanded to teach the next generation. Psalm 78 is a, is a, is a, a charge to to teach the law of God so that it can transform a generation. In the New Testament, Jesus has commissioned them in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. Paul understood it, and he said, and he reminds us in 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust those to reliable people who will also then be qualified to teach others. The Great Commission, you see, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it charges us to proclaim the story of Jesus to all nations and show them how to follow biblical principles that have been laid down before us. What better way to do that than in our families and in the family institution? What better way to do that than them getting to see your marriage live out. And that's what we talked about a lot this weekend. So why wouldn't we use this marriage of ours, this family of ours, this community of believers of ours to tell the stories, to, to tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of the wonders that he's done? You see, Psalm 78, 5 is in the hymn book, prayer book, to be a constant reminder. Why? So that the church may abide forever and ever. So that we would be conformed into the image of God and follow the will of God, thus contributing to the kingdom. So you've heard the two truths. Let me give you the challenge. Here's the challenge. My wife, Carla... And my three kids, they don't care how great I was. They don't need a dad <laughs> living in the past wearing his letter jacket to the mall. Carla and my family 
need a point person. They, they need a dad. They, they, they need more than a QB. They need someone who's going to lead, who's going to serve, who's going to make adjustments along the way and, and, and help them to find ways for them to score and maximize their full potential. One who is vulnerable about the fumbles and the interceptions in life. Then one who helps them see the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord and the powerful God that supersedes over a messy life. Here's today's challenge. Look at verse 3 and 4. Stories that we have heard and known, stories that our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and the wonders that he has done. Here's the challenge. Do not hide. Don't hide those stories. Don't, don't, don't put a facade of a, or a veneer up of you becoming something you're not. Get real. Tell about the fumbles and the interceptions in your life. Because it's during the struggles with God where the praiseworthy deeds of God are shown forth. And that's what glory is. It's giving a correct opinion of who God is. That's why this antiphon of part of it singing from this side is telling this side of the story and the struggles that humanity has. And this side is singing louder and bold with the stories of the powerful holy God that comes in and transforms a generation. And it's during these moments where God met me and he changed me. And he's redeemed my value as a human. That is what the next generation longs to hear. They want to hear about a God who, who can transform and who is powerfully working. It's a generation longing to hear <laughs> and they're tired of the church hiding behind the veneer. They want to see <laughs> the glory of God. They're tired of hearing about the glory days of the SBC or the Oklahoma Baptist. They want to see the glory of God. Each year, my wife and I pray for God to send us someone that we can disciple. I, I know I'm old school. I, 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 don't, I don't like the phrase mentor. It's, it's good, but I, I prefer the term disciple. And, and I, I want to join God's activity of being a part of developing disciples. Pouring my life into people who can help fulfill the Great Commission. Who can tell of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. But I don't want just people who are going to just talk about the great things. I want them to also share the struggles so that they can hear how the powerful, wonderful God comes in and saves us from ourselves. For Carla and I, it's a blessing 
that we work near and on a college campus because we get to daily pour into the next generation. And, 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 and it's, really, it's really simple. It doesn't take a rocket scientist or you don't have to have a master's in theology to disciple. Here it is. It's teaching or, or really guiding from an overflow. Most often, it's just talking about the awful first half of our lives and the and the the poor play <laughs> that contributed to that the poor decisions that contributed to that it, it's 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 as that worthless sports writer said just an awful first half how many of us have an awful first half that we need to tell the next generation about because then they get to see the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to hide or cover up the hardships, the struggles, the defeats, the temptations, the fumbles by only focusing on the touchdowns and the victories of the past. I want to utter the things from old. And I want to teach the next generation so that they can teach those next generation folks who are even yet to be born. And I would say this, in trying to, to, to make sense of my final points, is the next generation really does get it. We don't need to give up on the church. We don't need to give up on millennials or, or, or junior high and high school kids and the poor decisions they make. So in order to do that, you, the church, those of you who have been faithful followers of Christ for five minutes or more, and some of you in here have been a faithful follower of Christ for 50 years, have the kind of attitude that Jesus challenged his disciples with in Matthew 28. Listen, listen how the message Bible puts Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We've heard that passage, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard that a lot, but listen to it in a little bit different translation. The message says, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, making them, marking them, by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. And here's the assurance. I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. My hope is that the Lord will give you insight into this. Go back to verse 2. It says, the things that you have heard God say. And it's simple things. Simple things like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 says. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world didn't send him to condemn the world, but what? To save the world through him. The things that you have heard about Jesus, then 
Let your life speak in harmony. The good stuff and the struggles and the, fr the frustrations. And then entrust all that you have learned to reliable people so that they then can pass on a legacy of faith by teaching others to observe what you've experienced. Your marriage, those of you who are married, your marriage may be one of the greatest pictures of Christ in the church. What a privilege we have to live out the gospel message of being able to forgive one another 70 times 7, to keep showing up, to be able to live out the covenant of saying, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, and I will be a part of the transformation process of letting God transform my life as he transforms my bride. What a privilege. And then that bleeds into our kids, and we get to disciple our kids, and then we get to disciple others. As we come to the conclusion of our message, I want you just to, to reflect on what God is asking of you, Community Baptist Church. My hope is that you would be a great commission church. And I want to give you just a time to just reflect and think, what is it that God's prompting you to do to be able to tell the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of the wonders that he's done? And how does that live out Monday through Saturday? He wants to use your marriage. He wants to use your family. He wants to use this church. But all of that begins by drawing a circle around you and changing everything within that circle. If you don't know Jesus, it transforms our life and it frees us when we hear the voices of junk, of how horrible your first half has been. Even if you're 18 years old, those first 18 years may have been just lost. Allow the praiseworthy deeds of a holy God come in and save you and bring you into righteousness. I want to give you some time just to reflect, and as the band is coming and as we pray together, God, please speak to us. Fall fresh on us. Change us from the inside out. Help these, these, these wonderful hymns and songs to be a part of that transformation process. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, and change us from the inside out.